0: All right, here we go. All right, welcome to the bogus edition of uh, Legal Tech Week. This is the uh, it's uh, this is the show in which we talk about the top stories in legal tech and innovation for the week. It's June second, two thousand and twenty-three, uh, and I'm Bob Ambrosi. I have a blog called uh, Law Sites and a podcast called Law Next and a legal tech directory if you need one called. Next, also, and uh, our panelists today, uh, we can start with the birthday celebrant, Nikki Black. Happy birthday tomorrow!
1: Oh, how did you know that? Thank you. Oh,
0: like, geez, nobody <laughs> knows anybody's base birthday is anymore. <laughs>
1: Thank you. My name is Nikki Black. Um I am the, uh, head of SME and external education. My title may change. And when it does, I'll let you know at, um, <laughs> I think you may like what it changes to, um, at my case and, uh, LaPay. And, um, I write legal tech columns for ABA journal above the law, uh, daily record and other outlets. And I also oversee the, my case in LaPay. Um, and I author the, industry report and benchmark reports. And um, I'm really looking forward to celebrating my 28th birthday tomorrow. It's going to be awesome.
0: (laughs) Wait a minute. What do you mean your title may change and we're going to like it? You don't know if it's going to change or?
1: I think it's going to. It just hasn't happened yet. Okay. It has to to go through
0: the, uh, get the paperwork done or something? Yeah. So we'll see. (laughs) All right. Uh, Stephanie, uh, hopefully your title... Remains the same for a while?
2: As far as I know. Uh, Stephanie Wilkins, Editor-in-Chief of Legal Tech News at ALM. And that is all. (laughs) Okay.
0: Joe.
3: Uh, I am the legal industry archduke of... No, (laughs) uh, I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law and Thinking Like a Lawyer, the podcast, and... Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to. I I still have never liked Nikki's title after it ceased to be evangelist. So I'm hoping it's something fun uh, on the next end. Yeah.
1: It just may revert a little bit. So maybe everyone will be happier once it reverts. But I, I like the Archduke personally. I think that was a good one. You should stick with that.
0: All right, and Gene O'Grady, what's your title this week?
4: The goddess of knowledge. No, the, uh, <laughs> I'm the publisher of Dewey B. Strategic, and I write a column for um, Legal Tech Hub.
0: All right. Well, uh, you know, we have to talk about it this week. Uh, the, uh, the the bogus cases case, uh, uh, as Stephanie and I were emailing this morning, uh, poor Stephen Schwartz has become the I am not a cat of the generative AI era, I think, uh, And uh, but but it's but it's really, actually, it's really kind of different because the 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 poor I am not a cat guy. I mean, that really was just like a, I don't know, a fairly innocent mistake, I guess. Whereas this this situation, and I, I'm sure everybody knows what we're talking about with with the the two lawyers who filed a uh, filing, and and Stephanie's got her cat face on. Or Is that a cat? Is that a tiger?
2: I was trying to. It's find. like
0: Tony the Tiger.
2: I, it's a really yeah. I was trying to find a cat. Sorry,
0: go ahead, I didn't know you could see already. But this is the the two guys who who filed a case. They filed a paperwork in in federal court in which they they cited a a number of cases. uh, And uh, opposing counsel said, well, gee, I can't find any of those cases. And the judge said, well, guess what? It looks like uh, they were all made up. Uh, And uh, now uh, these lawyers are facing sanctions possibly uh, facing at least one of them is facing a possible uh, referral for disciplinary action. Uh, and you know, and, and not only did the lawyer file these case citations that weren't real, but then backed it up when the judge said he wanted proof by filing these bogus text opinions that he got off of chat GPT. And, and, and when, when somebody questioned, when the judge questioned the veracity of these cases, Apparently, the guy went back to ChatGPT and said, were you lying to me? (laughs) And ChatGPT said, would I lie? Uh, So uh, I don't know. I I don't even know what the moral of the story is exactly.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was just so many. Well, I think we've all agreed this is not a tech problem. It's a lawyer problem. But there was just so many failings at so many levels. Like, yes, use ChatGPT but then used it to make the fake cases and then asked G- chat gpt are these real and then just went with it like it's just
4: <sighs> well what um, i want to know so- is how do you know about chat gdp and not know about shepherds i mean there are so many <laughs> int- so many technologies that have been around for decades that would have shown him he, he was going to have a problem i mean that's what's astonishing and you know p- part of my day job is To make sure lawyers get trained, and I have to tell you, every time I have introduced a new legal technology that appears to make legal research easier, I always practically plead with them: This doesn't mean you don't need to read the cases. You still need to read the cases, even though it it you know brief checkers, everything makes legal research look easier. But it hasn't gotten, it hasn't taken away the need to read the cases. And I just want to point to I also have a theory. Years ago, when I first started my blog, I wrote a a post that cited a book by Nicholas Carr called The Information. And he wrote an an Atlantic story called Is Google Making Us Stupid? And it was really about how a generation (laughs) of people grew up reading the internet can't really read, they can't even process large amounts of information because their brains have been changed. Is that, well, is that what's happening here? And and what is safe for the future? I mean, if lawyers need to be replaced, this is good evidence that they do.
0: Well, except that one of the things I pointed out in my in my post is that even if you just Googled it, you would have gotten yeah. accurate results. I mean, if you just taken the case name and dropped them into a Google search, right. you 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 know you would have basically seen that it doesn't come up anywhere, and right. you would have. I mean, that would have Not, reason been reason enough to question it. And he no,
4: clearly no, didn't jeopardize no, no. it to find out if these fake cases had been overturned by another fake case. You, well, well like, and that you and didn't that's use those tools. yeah.
3: Yeah, that's the that's that's part of the issue too. Like, even if you aren't going to read it, you at least have to make sure there's not a red flag standing next to it. Uh, but uh, my one of the things I said, and this is kind of beyond just looking it up, just kind of litigator trick. Uh, when this case, for those who weren't who don't know the underlying issues, uh, it's a lawsuit against an airline. There's questions about international treaties because the Montreal Convention is involved, but. It's overlapping because the company was in bankruptcy at one point, and now there's a motion to dismiss based on the statute of limitations. And was that told? And does the international treaty over uh, have any implication with the U.S. Bankruptcy Code? And he found an entire page worth of a direct quote from a alleged 11th Circuit opinion that spoke to this hyper-specific issue. Uh, that was the red flag there. Uh, if you're finding a case that deals with your completely bonkers set of facts directly on Square, that should have been your first indication there was a problem. Uh, yeah, no, I think, yeah, we've we've all kind of said it already. This is not a tech case. This is a just good lawyering case. Uh, and that's why my complaint about it has been... Uh, that it's a legal industry somewhat and mainstream journalism problem more broadly issue. Why are we having articles trying to clickbaitily say that this is some sort of a chat GPT lawyer? What goes wrong? I think New York Times was like, what goes wrong when you use chat GPT? It's like, well, nothing when you use chat GPT. What goes wrong is when you're an idiot and don't look at your cases. <laughs> uh, but that's that worried me because I think there's, there's a problem when we think that the, when journalists, not us, but the bad journalists out there, think that there is traffic to be had and audience share to be gained by villainizing, uh, villainizing, yeah, that vilifying uh, this technology.
2: Well, yes, I completely agree. But I mean, what we've been seeing in you know non-tech-centered media this whole time is that they just don't really understand the tech. So whether or not it was, purely a desire for clickbait or they really were just like, oh, chat GPT lawyer, let's do it. But it's just like it is really distressing because they're spreading that. And then also we were talking in the green room before we got got on here. So like even in us posting these things that are very clearly like, this is not a tech issue, it's a competence issue. We're still getting comments on our posts being like, like I had one being like, oh, I guess the moral of the story is that if you use AI, you go to jail. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, like, I did I just waste how many hours like writing something to you? <laughs> like not even read the headline? I don't get it. Yeah. Well, th-
1: One thing about it that I'm more... I, I feel like I haven't heard anyone talk about, and I haven't read every single article, so maybe someone has. But what I think this is is like a supervisory issue. I wouldn't be surprised if the initial memo was something that an associate prepared. This is it looked like it was a fairly no, it's not an associate. I don't think so.
3: I, I what's mean, what's maybe, like? but it appear it appears to to be a lawyer who has who's very experienced uh, like 30 years of practice or something like that, who had a state case. And then it was sent to it got removed to federal court. And so a different lawyer actually has their name on it. Uh, But the underlying lawyer who did it seems to be a mean, he's within a firm, but seems to be functionally a solo practitioner is within that firm. uh, It's
2: a supervisory issue for sure, though, because like, Got the, sit guy, down the reason co-counsel had to get on there is because the state court lawyer was not admitted in SDNY. So he needed somebody from his firm who was. And so the co-counsel who was SDNY is also facing sanctions now, even though the guy who did it did step up and say he had nothing to do with it. I did it entirely myself. But they're both facing sanctions now. Well,
0: the lawyer is- filed an affidavit saying it was him who did it. He he uh, uh, I'm trying to find exactly where he said, but he's he he. Yeah. He says, lays out in his affidavit that he went to ChatGPT and did this as a, uh, what did he say? As a, uh, your affiant consulted the artificial intelligence website ChatGPT in order to supplement the legal research performed, is what he said.
2: Well, so a, even- a source which later proved itself to
1: be unreliable. <laughs> <coughs> well, and so even-
0: all right, two two
3: people used air quotes simultaneously. We we should be kicked off the internet.
1: I know. We need to also let Nikki talk. <laughs> well, what this makes me think about is, you know, when I was an associate in a law firm for a number of years, um, I, I can say with a fair amount of authority that I don't think I, I, the vast majority of partners did not write their own memos. They didn't write their own, even, you know, the affidavits that supported the memos even like often it was always, and I'm not saying that's the case in this case, um, since it's pretty clear this from what you're telling me that, but, uh, from that affidavit that this guy did it himself, but, Typically from a supervisory point of view, when, and I don't wanna like throw other lawyers under the bus, a lot of them are retired anyway, but you know, an associate would get hired, you'd write a couple of memos, they'd look through it, they'd, they'd see if you did a good job and if you were thought well and they could rely on you. And then I'm, I can almost guarantee they didn't pull every single case for every single memo I ever gave them. They relied upon me um, assuming that I'm competent. And I think that this is a, really a similar thought process here that there was a reliance upon chat GPT, a mistaken reliance that it was competent um, and it's not, but even so I, it's sort of our supervisory lawyers, you know, the partner on a case, are they truly, do we think they're truly required to pull every single case, read every single case, find those subsections that are being referred to, especially when you've got seven case sites sometimes just to really home make home in on your point and make the point that a lot of people said this or whatever, do we really expect them to read every single case that an associate gives them? and? If so, like, you know, obviously you got to do that with chat GPT, but if not, at what point do we rely on artificial intelligence if it gets good enough that we don't have to double check those and read the entire case? Do you think we'll ever get to that point?
2: Well, I mean, there are tools now that you could use to at least do the, you know, what we, what used to be shepherdizing or whatever, if you don't want to read every single case. I think the bigger, and I totally agree with you, but I think it just gets more and more egregious when like, even say he was clueless, say he was whatever, and then, By the time there's letters to the court being like, we don't think these exist. Wouldn't it clue you in to maybe use something other than chat GPT? He just went back to it three times as the only like
1: confirmation loop. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I a hundred percent agree that this was absolutely egregious at this stage of this technology. There's no anyone to rely on anything. It says it's it's like a bald faced liar most of the time. And it's an asshole because it says it in such a nice way. You know, you think it, it makes it sound so good. It it will give you entire cases that with, fake sites with entire cases to support it. You know, it goes into a hole. Like it does this like deep dive to support its stupidity. So if no one should be relying on it at this point. But I wonder at what point the AI is going to get better and better and it's going to happen quickly. And like at what point and when you're using legal tools, maybe not chat GPT specifically, right. but GPT powered legal software. I, I'm just going to pull one out of the air because I'm I'm not saying co-counsel does this. But what if co-counsel gets to the point where you are, going to be able to rely on, them, I think, do you, or does your supervisor responsibility it'll, re- it'll, require you to really pull the cases and read every
4: single one? But that's already happening with Lexis and Westlaw. It's been happening for decades. Westlaw started out writing head notes over a hundred years ago and lawyers relied on the head notes, you know? So it, it's, it is, it, you know, the problem is that people aren't, or this guy in particular, didn't go back and do anything to validate or didn't even somebody didn't even attempt to read the cases. I I don't know.
0: Co-counsel does that now. Co-counsel, when it gives you an answer in chat, it shows the cases right next to it that support those answers and so it's all there. And now and you can so question, the is, right. are, are the so cases don't. real that are in? Yeah, you should read. I mean, you should read the cases. And right? so, right.
4: well, the commercial brief checkers and, you know, Cara came out over six years ago. All the all the commercial services have a brief checker that underscore and create links to all of the cases cited in a document. <sighs> you, you would have a list of cases that had no links and no citations, you know, but I mean, I
3: I'd be way more concerned uh, from a litigation perspective, I'd be way more concerned that things are being left out that aren't being properly looked at than things are being put in. Because at the end of the day, how many cases are you fitting into that page limit? Like at a certain point, it's it's you. Can you not not read 20 cases? How many cases can you fit in that? Uh, Unless, you know, maybe there are indulgent judges uh, who should not exist, who let you write 150 page briefs. But assuming you're writing a 25 to 30 page brief, there's not enough cases in there that you really can justify, I didn't bother to read them all. Uh, The the making a mistake by exclusion seems like more of a risk long-term where you didn't read all the cases and therefore missed the best one or the problematic one, but whatever.
2: In this case, didn't he read the cases? He thought he did. He just got the cases from ChatGPT.
0: He had the full text. He filed those with his affidavit. Yeah, like it created and,
2: yeah. decisions that he yeah. read. So it's, I mean, that's, yeah.
0: So, so once kind again, of the, the lesson did they
4: have.
3: Well, no, the lesson here is that Westlaw and Lexis need to lower their fees so that people are able <laughs> to access them more.
0: Or use any of the nine million free right, right. points out well, there, with Google, Google Scholar or whatever case. else. Right. Well, you know the other. I thing mean, what that I... The, doesn't it seem like there's something suspicious here? I, I, I mean, again, he's he, They don't spell this out in their affidavit in the timeline about how he went from just having these citations to then getting called out by the judge to then suddenly producing the text of these cases. Well, and it, it, to well, me, that seemed a little.
4: Somebody wrote the Well, no, I
2: think ChatGPT did, but I think subsequent. So say that the case was like, you know, Wilkins versus New York He Mm. that he had generated. He went back into ChatGPT and was like, here is this case site you gave me, give me the underlying decision. And it spit out a bunch of stuff that looked like, but even in one of the, the affidavits, it said sometimes not the full decision, but the portions of it that were available on the public database. So yeah, yeah, it's just
0: right, right.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so this guy's understanding com- the tools and what he should be doing.
0: This guy's coming up for sanctions hearing June eighth. Is it a yeah. yeah? So, do anybody want to put money? <laughs> what, what's going to happen? Well,
4: well, you know the the other issue it, it touches on is years ago there was a movement in AALL to try and get legal research competency added to the bar to to the bar exam. And you know, I, I mean, I I do actually think fundamentally this is this is a a, a failure of research skills. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, it's you're generous.
4: Of
0: a lot of <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't I know. Mean, a lot of
2: I mean, he could have. I don't know what search he put into ChatGPT. If he put it into an actual tool, maybe it was the right search. It just wasn't. No, actually
4: but accessing no, law. No, no. I'm going back further of you find the case, you shepherdize the case, you make sure you validate that the case exists, you know?
3: It, like you're absolutely right. And I haven't read this specific. Um, the specific is Google making a stupid article. Uh, and it might be the one that I'm thinking of vaguely. I haven't looked to check to make sure, but there's definitely been some scholarly research on the generation that grew up with Google, not understanding the concept of research in the way that we do. And I see it with my students, uh, coaching debate stuff, which is very research intensive. They'll, they'll type into Google a question like, where's this, whatever. And if it doesn't give them the results, they'll think of a different question to ask Google. And I'm like, well, or you could go to a library or you could think of, a journal that exists that talks about that issue and maybe go look at that journal and maybe you'll back end your way into new terms. They, they start at Google and if it fails, they view the problem as them for being bad prompt engineers, which is really scary.
1: There is an app for that now. There's a plugin, a GPT plugin to fix your prompts. So well, soon we'll- And, and that's the thing. Of
3: <laughs> I said this, I got in this argument on Twitter the other day. Somebody was talking about like uh, how- uh, Google's trying to make generative AI write these summaries and how that's ultimately for the first searches, which is ultimately folly because people don't really want that, which I think is true. And I think the ultimate Google play, the play in search is to use generative AI to be people's prompt engineer, because that's where people actually need it.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, it would have been uh, it would have been a good week for somebody to write about the ethics of using chat gpt or some of these other tools um, did anybody happen to do that
1: well I, I, uh, in fairness to uh, i think that would be me right um, yeah. i
0: think that would be you jean also yeah. had started she yeah, didn't do I'll, it but the, yeah. me, oh you
1: want to no. go jean no, i no, know. You, 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 jean,
0: you jean didn't, didn't one. write one she cited one oh. but you wrote yeah. one so you can go for okay
1: one. Well, and I wanted to say in fairness, I did write about the general, um, best practices and ethical considerations, but, um, I linked to Mark Palmer, who I see is in the audience. He wrote a really great blog post that was very thorough, focused solely on ethical issues. And so I did a general, like a one paragraph overview of ethical issues and said, just read his post. So, (laughs) but, um, what I, uh, it's a great post. So it's definitely, uh, you should read that, but, um. I essentially, I wrote about this because somebody on LinkedIn um, said, suggested I write a post just on best practices. Um, and it was published right before this whole debacle, um, a day or two before it all broke over the internet over the weekend. Um, and essentially, I because I think what, what happens when we write about this, at least when I write about it, you got a six to 800 word limitation. You're trying to say like, this is what ChatGPT is in case they don't know what it is. Um, this is how you access it, be careful with, be careful. And then here's the plugins or here's the browser extensions or here's some other context in which I wanna talk about it. And you kind of, um, I gl- will gloss over the best practices stuff just because it would, it's literally an entire blog post just to write about ethics. So in this one, I still glossed over the ethics a little bit but what I did talk about was <clears throat> understanding the risks, benefits and best practices Um, included some examples of what you really can use it for. I think what it's best for is drafting documents, forms, and templates, summarizing things, um, analyzing contracts, especially if it's an illegal specific functionality within some sort of software, Um, litigation preparation, by that I mean brainstorming questions for voir dire or cross-examination about a very specific point. You can do those things, but if you're gonna do those things, you need to keep confidentiality in mind, make sure um, to A, turn off the prompts. If you're using ChatGPT, the prompt storage um, so that they don't save your conversations, but also still keep in mind that ChatGPT is not, uh, you're not gonna get the same confidentiality um, uh, commitments that you're gonna get from legal vendors. So you need to think about that. And if you're gonna ask um, them to provide you with information, you may need to, edit the document you want summarized or ask a question, but leave all the clients' confidential information out of the question, but still have the fact scenario being analyzed for whatever purpose you're trying to use it for. And then again, I talked about the legal ethics, like I talked about, and um, essentially it's confidentiality, but there are other issues like supervision, which I think was really a big one with the um, debacle over the weekend. You know, it's really, for me, it was, competence, which required supervision. It was really those two different, um, you know, supervising the technology that you're using and understanding it and understanding that it does provide hallucinations. And then the art of the prompt is important, which is what Joe just touched upon. And there is um, a tool called Perfect uh, Prompt Perfect, but um, it's a standalone tool, but it also has a plugin. So if you have chat GPT plus access, you can add it as a plugin and it can create the appropriate prompt. You tell it what you wanted to say And then it will create a better prompt of what you want to accomplish, you tell it. And it creates a prompt and then feeds it to ChatGPT. And if you have the plugin, it just will do that automatically so that you can get better output from ChatGPT. You can also use that prompt perfect standalone tool to use with other search engines as well, or types of things where you have to enter queries. And then I just talk about hallucinations. We all know that. Don't get fooled by the hallucinations. And um, I think it's just really important. I was glad that I wrote about that and that it ended up being timely because I think it's super important for lawyers to keep all these things in mind. It's a new tool. It's improving rapidly. I think that in a very short amount of time compared to what we're used to, it's going to be built into these legal products. It's going to be reliable. A lot of the issues are going to be um, uh, non-issues and you're going to be able to rely on it a lot more. I just saw today and then I'll stop my little um, oration here um, that. OpenAI is doing significant research to reduce the hallucinations. And one way that they're doing that, um, they wrote a paper, they proposed that instead of um, having uh, like right now, right now, what they sort of analyze is the outcome, instead analyzing each step of the process so that they don't end up going down these crazy paths that lead to this, the re- requested outcome. But when they get, when it gets at a certain point where it doesn't know the answer, make it stop and ask for more information or something rather than fill in the gap so it can get to the requested outcome. And that sounds like they're trying to sort of make it have steps in its process rather than just focus on the outcome and hopefully get rid of some of the hallucinations. So I think that's interesting. They're already coming up with ways to reduce them. And I think it's going to very quickly, this problem will be solved.
2: I have a question about this perfect prompt tool or whatever it's called. So. ChatGPT understands what you're trying to ask enough to tell you to give you the the right prompt to then give you the answer. Why doesn't it just give you the answer if it understands what you're trying to ask?
1: Well, because it's not. I know what you're saying. But the thing the when they talk about prompt engineering and why people are getting hired as prompt engineers, it's like actually a position. Yeah, paid six figures now is because when it's really you get rushed and you just sort of type, <coughs> tell me what exit, but really you need to say you are an expert. So let's just talk real estate as an example. You know, um, you wanna know how much a property might be worth. You are a realtor and you're an expert in property valuation, yeah. you know, to give it the context. And this is the goal I'm trying to get. Here is the contextual information that you need in order to um, provide me with the information. And sometimes here's a website if you use a link or something, um, if you're using a plugin that will go to a link. And here's a website that has a lot of that information or something like that. Okay. that it takes a long time to type oh, all yeah. that, provide all that context. And so what um, Perfect Prompt does, and I have the plugin, you can either use the standalone enter your query and it'll give you an output you can copy and paste in there. Or else, when you use the actual plugin, when you have ChatGPT Plus that has plugins enabled, which most people pay for ChatGPT should have at this point, you check the box that says Perfect Prompt. And then you say, prompt This is perfect, what I right? want. You know, I want evaluation on this property. And Perfect Prompt then <clears> creates <throat> that whole sort of longer thing. And sometimes it will say, I need some additional information in order to provide the appropriate prompt, like what's the address or, you know, what's your end goal or something, and then it will um, create a prompt and it shows you what the prompt is. And it's usually like sentences when mine would have been one. And that way it helps you hone down, hone in on the answer quickly. And so it's a really cool tool when you don't want, you know, you have a very specific issue and you don't want to type a lot, or you're not quite sure how to frame it.
0: So it's prompt, prompt, perfect, not perfect prompt, right? Um, Perfect. I had initially had it
1: in there incorrect and somebody emailed me and told me that
0: it's, um, it's prompt perfect
1: prompt perfect yeah, yeah. and initially which, i which called it perfect a lot of,
0: a lot of lawyers are going to be quick to adopt that because they're going to think it's word perfect and they're going to be thrilled
1: <laughs> good point
0: <laughs> um all right. uh, Gene, do you want to add anything to that i know you you no, had also okay, had you that you yeah. covered
4: everything i just added in my comment that the, all the prompt discussion reminded me of an old westlaw <laughs> Uh, iteration called WIN, which is Westlaw is natural. And it was to help (laughs) lawyers who didn't understand Boolean to construct Westlaw searches.
0: Yeah. They basically had
4: to fill out a form. Yeah. I wonder if that was ethical. I don't
0: know. Um, Well, probably, I guess another kind of related story that several of us wrote about this week is the launch of this Liga uh, and and it's related in the sense that it uh, is a, an attempt to uh, uh, create a uh, uh, provide a platform uh, for law firms to safely uh, deploy uh, uh, AI within their within their organizations. Um, anybody want to talk about that a little bit or?
2: Yeah, I mean, okay. like, yeah, I'm one of the people that <laughs> wrote yeah. about it. Yeah. No, it actually seems pretty cool. It's like, um, so I mean, it's the platform is basically kind of like a sandbox environment, if you will, um, that lets people experiment with generative AI without all of these terrible consequences, which is, I think, pretty critical to the education aspect of what we've been talking about and what we need here, um, because it also creates audit trails. So if you get good results, if you're like, you're creating tools, you're creating all this, you can figure out how to replicate it and scale it. But the whole idea is, you know, it was Christian Lang said himself, like people need to be able to experiment with these to learn them, but they need to be able to do it safely.
0: Yeah. And this is Christian, who was just recently the president of, of, of Rain in court. Uh, and, and I don't know about anybody else, but when I when I first got on the call with him, and he started talking about what he was doing, I kept thinking, This is Rainy Court. This is Rainy Court. (laughs) This is Rainy Court for AI, basically. But it's not. I mean, it's it is different. But Uh, he did address
2: it in talking that he like he's drawing on his experience from that for sure. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I mean, it's similar in the sense that it is a platform designed to allow law firms to sort of safely test. I mean, Rainy Court was focused on allowing law firms sort of safely test and deploy cloud-based applications within Mm -hmm. their own controlled environments. And this is a, a platform for allowing law firms to sort of safely test large language models within a a more controlled environment where they can separate, set set guardrails, as everybody's calling it around it, uh, and and be able to track activity and what's happening.
2: And again, uh, so in there, both there's some
0: similarity, yeah, yeah
2: and, and in both to do so without huge investment in one as a gamble, also and to start yeah. out, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. An interesting, I, I think it's an interesting idea, and uh, I mean, he you know launched with at least one name, Amlon 100 firm already as a customer, and says there's okay. others possibly in the works, so uh, good for him and uh, be interesting to, to follow. Um, uh, it and not to mention he launched with two uh, you know, well known uh advisors, and yep. uh, Haley Altman and, and Nicole Braddock, as as part of wait, group, who so. Haley
2: uh,
3: what?
0: No, I, yeah, no. I, <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, no, um, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh-huh. story. I like, obviously uh, it's, it's initial uh, value proposition being the kind of safe environment to test this stuff out, but like, it really is true that they, I, I think they have a a pivot that they can get to, uh, for having even more value down the road as people play with this more and understand more that figuring out the wisdom of the crowd. I talk weird to use the word wisdom while talking about a large group of associates. That word doesn't really usually go together, but uh, the wisdom of the crowd is gonna be the real accelerator because you can, you can figure out what people are doing in that sandbox that works.
0: Yeah. uh all right um so uh, I'm, I'm maybe jump off of a <laughs> jump off of AI for a second here only um, I'm gonna talk about a story I did just because I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting uh, this week that next point uh, the uh, ediscovery company um, has launched a uh, a law firm uh, in under the under Arizona's uh, revised uh, 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 professional responsibility rules there. Uh, And uh, it is uh, the first e-discovery company to launch a law firm of its own, as far as as far as I could tell. And I went through all the uh, I don't know, there are certainly none in none in Arizona uh, that are like this Uh, and uh, it, it, it I, I, you know it kind of got me thinking about why did it even take this long for somebody to do this it, it's kind of a natural extension i mean next point is is a little bit different than some of the e-discovery companies out there because it's always been kind of a combination of both the technology platform and a services company to support the technology platform uh, but so now it has taken all of its its services uh uh, part of its business and move them over into this law firm along with a group of lawyers who are experts in uh, e-discovery and 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 uh, other data issues around litigation Uh, and now they can provide clients with kind of a full range of counseling uh along uh you know uh, uh the the spectrum of, of issues that can come up in, in 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 using uh e-discovery technology and performing e-discovery uh and so i think it'll be interesting to see how they do that i mean how that does and and, and what kind of success it has I mean, it is kind of, it's pretty much tied to the product. I mean, I'd asked them whether they would be taking clients who aren't NextPoint customers. And they said, well, they, they could, but it would be kind of, that wouldn't be the point because the point is really they're all experts in, in NextPoint's technology and it seems to make sense for them. Um, but, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about the uh, experiments in Utah and Arizona. And uh, this is kind of another chapter in that in that experiment, uh, another extension of what can be done under these alternative business ownership rules that we're seeing come up.
2: Yeah, I'm all for more, I mean, obviously if they're thought out, good ideas, See more companies and more kinds of companies sort of push those rules and capitalize on the states that, you know, let them do it. Because we've all talked about, you know, UPL and whether the rules are too strict and what the outcomes are, so I'm curious to see how it goes
0: all right um, <clears throat> we uh, what else did we want to talk about this week uh the uh, There was the little news that came out uh, last night uh involving case point. Um, you know, not not the first time we've we've seen this kind of thing happen. but uh, I, I think I think I think I saw you guys had an update today. They finally put out a statement on it, uh, Stephanie. Yeah, right? yeah,
2: yeah, they gave us a few paragraph statements they've They've hired an outside consultant and they're looking into it, and it hasn't impacted anybody's access to the platform and their information on it. I mean, nothing I mean, it was more than just uh, we're working on it. It was at least more thoughtful and it was prompt. But, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I didn't, like I said, I think I said to you guys, I didn't have, you know, Russian ransomware cartels and the dark web on my legal tech bingo card for the week, but here we are.
0: <laughs> you never know when those Russian cartels will <laughs> rear their ugly heads. Yeah.
1: Well, and, uh, coincidentally, and I, I'm not sure if it's a coincidence or not, um, the university my kids go to and my husband also works at, um, sent an email out, it sounded like it just went to anybody who has any contact with the university, indicating that there had been a breach. They, along with 2,500 other companies, had a vendor that was breached, you know, a third party vendor that handled information. They didn't say who it was. But and so now you need to change all your passwords, check all your bank accounts, do all these other, you know, be extra vigilant. And it makes me wonder if um, it was it touched that and if it was if next point was the third party vendor or not. So, case point. And if it wasn't case, then there's some other case point. point. law we'll case. firm case points. Sorry, next point. Yeah. <laughs> this your, prior to that. Yeah. Sorry, uh, but it's I, yeah. I I can only imagine that every single uh, customer is having to do that, even if that wasn't why I got that email. But you're seeing that happen like a ripple effect.
2: But I mean, as far as the ransomware goes, obviously we we'ren't going to go on the dark web to try to like look at this stuff, but I mean, if you look at the roster of clients that CasePoint has, like there's a lot of potential valuable data in there. So it's not really a surprise that they would be a huge target. And I think more legal entities should maybe realize that they are. And I feel like a lot of this, like, like security breaches and hacks, we hear about those more, but like this sort of ransomware is, I don't know, just a little bit of it, not for them, but an interesting wrinkle on it. And I don't know. It's all very nefarious with black Cat and dark web, and yeah,
0: yeah. There was the, um, I mean, there were a couple of big ransomware attacks against uh, e-discovery companies in the past where it really shut them down for a while. So it's interesting yeah. that they say they're up and running uh, this quickly. It, it, I, I, either I, I mean, either they were you know very well prepared for it uh, and were able to get back up and running, or or they paid the ransomware or they paid the ransom rather. But uh, probably probably the former, I would guess. Uh, you know, this is a uh, a company that is has a lot of federal government uh, clients. Is FedRAMP certified uh, and state and, ramp, yeah. yeah. And so you have to assume they were. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to protect a ransomware entirely from a ransomware attack, but it's but it is uh, is easier to be prepared to respond when it happens than not yeah. to be. So. Um. What is anything else? Did we have anything else? Oh, you, Nikki, you want to talk about? Did you want to talk about all the all the uh, AI-driven um, contract software in the world?
1: I don't have to talk. I'll just link to the article and briefly like talk about why um, it's. You know the things are changing so quickly. There's constantly new. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse <me.
3: laughs>
1: um, There's constantly new software um, coming out that is you know, claims to be chat GPT or GPT enabled um, or generative AI, you know, or some sort of combination of the generative AI tools that it is um, hard to keep track of it. And so um, what I did was I um, wrote a, I'm just part of what my ABA journal column does is I talk about a category of software each month. And I talk about a bunch of the different um, companies that um, develop that software and, you know, how to choose the right software. So this chat GPT and GPT powered software tools are a new category. And so um, contract analytics seems like a good one to focus on because there are a bunch of different companies coming out. So I essentially just covered that category of software. But as a side note, what I've started to find to be really helpful, um, I mentioned this last week, but I do, I'm starting to do this in my columns and stuff is um, whether it's legal tech news or Bob's site or you know I, the people that tend to cover all these releases um now that there's plugins you can have chat gpt scrape the site and give you a list of all the ones that have been covered rather than you having to go through and me by you I mean me having to go through and manually try and locate all the ones that have been written about that I might have already missed or that I haven't been tracking so it's super helpful to use chat chat gpt to write about chat gpt so it's starting to become that you know oh what was that movie um Inception. I'm starting to have like inception experiences here, but that's okay. It's <laughs>
2: funny. I said that on mute and then you heard me. You're like, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, it's a, it's a good example of a way to use it because if you can enter a website or a link and tell chat GPT to re- review the content and then provide you with a list and it does, it provides you, these are, it, it misses some, but it gets two thirds of them, which is really helpful. And then you can go through and take a look at the um, actual products and decide whether they should be included or whether they're even on point. But it's a really useful way to use it as a journalist, or if you're just otherwise tracking this space for other reasons. So. You mean you're checking your results? That's a novel thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I am. Click it through, trying to, and I find trying to find the links and read about it. Right? It is. That's that's called extra. I,
0: <laughs> I think I mentioned this, but my one of my sons has been working on a gpt interface to all of my blog content so you'll be able to just do a, a query of wow. you know like the kind of query you're talking about and and uh get an answer uh that kind of goes through everything i've written over the last 20 years and 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 produces an answer uh wow, that's it's, really it's huh? a little rough form right now it, it's not it doesn't always return the right result it it doesn't hallucinate yeah. it's just not always complete uh so uh, he, he's still working on it, but at some point, he's, I'm going to put it out there for pe- people to see and play around with. Yeah, definitely let
3: let me know because I feel like above the law's search function is utterly terrible.
0: I mean, so.
2: I, I mean, hold 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 my beer, Joe. ALMs is horrendous.
3: I've got to be honest. <laughs> I well you know what it's internally.
2: interesting. Yeah.
3: Well, you know what's weird is I actually right. feel ALMs not that bad. Whenever I feel like I want to find an old ALM story in my memory banks, I can find it. But whenever I want to find something I wrote a month ago, I can't find it for the life of me.
1: Have uh, you tried going into WordPress and searching hmm. from there, Joe? I bet you're going to have a- much Oh, that fun.
3: is such a disaster. No. Uh, right. The only good way is Google uh, and to go to Google proper and look for the tag page. But all those tag pages, which other blogs got rid of years ago, don't- slow down your process or whatever but they are the only thing that's useful for searching for us right now which is terrible but whatever
0: yeah you ever not, use the google site site search or just go put in the site url for above the law and then then it's just using google to search your site
3: i you know good point i could do that i just type above the law as all one word and yeah, it does yeah, not yeah, give yeah, me yeah. the it does right. not give me the steven seagal movie options it just gives me my own right. um but yeah
1: there's a browser extension. Yeah. If you forget I can never remember if there's a site colon pure um, space or if it's site and then just a you know colon without a space. So there's a Google Chrome extension that you can just mm. click on that will just set it up properly for you. And You just enter the search term and it'll search the site for you. I'm yeah, all about yeah. extensions
4: and add-ons and plugins. And
1: yeah. you can just type <laughs> site colon the URL. I'd like to point out
0: that Boolean URL. would solve
4: some of these problems too. Because you can say within five words of, you know. Remember how
3: good Boolean was? Why did we get rid of this? It worked. There are
4: times when it's useful. Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. I think what this shows though, what I think that generative AI, and I've said this before, does is it solves the information overload problem. Google's no longer good at that. There's so much information out there. There's so much advertising and spam that gets pulled up to the top because money's getting paid that you can't find anything useful. And for now, at least in this brief honeymoon period, ChatGPT and generative AI, other tools like that solve the problem. And I also just use, depending on what I'm trying to find, one of those three tools, BARD, Bing, or ChatGPT. And I usually find what I'm looking for way more quickly than if I'd Googled it. So
0: yeah.
1: a sad so, commentary on where we are, I feel like, as a society. So.
0: <laughs> to, to, to your point about the uh, numbers of uh, contract... Tools using GPT. Uh, I, I, again, I I wasn't at Clock. I know Stephanie was, but my my son, my other son was not the one who's working on that. But my other <laughs> son was there, and he went around and he recorded just sort of randomly recorded interviews with people in the exhibit hall. I don't know how randomly it was. He said it was random, but uh, he got like twenty two interviews, and we stitched them all together into an episode of my podcast this week. And I was listening to it, thinking. Oh my God! This is just like it's just one contract generative AI yeah. thing after another after another after another. It's like how do I and, and and then and and I. One of the things he would ask them, "Well, how do you differentiate themselves?" And they'd all like give the same answer for how they differentiate oh. themselves. My yeah, my
2: my article on clock takeaways. One of the subheads was "CLM plus AI colon everything everywhere all at once." It's all yeah. it was. I love
3: yeah. it. Yeah. Awesome. See, see, that's a more modern reference. One of my one of my stories today, I used a movie reference, and I really feel like the story didn't perform well because it was too old of a reference. Uh, so, everything everywhere all at once is a better. You did better than me.
2: Well, thanks. Hey, I... I'll, I'll write that down, everybody. That is a moment in yeah. time that Joe said that.
3: Because <laughs> I because I put it, I have a story with a Spaceballs reference in the headline today, and I kind of feel like it didn't do well because people don't know what Spaceballs is. Well,
2: yeah. that's more of a commentary on people than on you, Joe. I will give it that. Thank
0: you. <laughs> For my clock podcast, I used clock in a box and nobody seemed to get that either.
1: Oh, I enjoyed that. but (laughs) It's hard when you work with like millennials or like my Gen Z kids. When I talk to them, I'll go things that make you go, hmm. And they all look at me. I'm like, oh, God, forget about it. Like, I won't even like they don't get the pop culture references. You guys don't even get it. Does anyone remember that song? Oh, yeah. Yeah. C&C Music Factory. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's like you're so badly with your pop culture reference. I do. I shouldn't speak for
3: everybody. Yeah. So if people weren't following the DeSantis Disney case that's been going on, the most recent development is that the judge recused himself. He he denied the disqualification motion, but granted a disqualification in himself that he did sue sponte because he found out a third degree relative had 30 shares of Disney stock. And so I put in my headline the whole like spaceballs like my father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate, and yeah.
4: Or you could have people
3: didn't take it.
4: You could have said six degrees of separation, whatever it was.
3: That's old. That's an older reference. All right. That's when like, that's like when the fresh when the that's pre fresh Prince Will Smith. <laughs> uh
4: right. oh. Oh, buddy.
0: All right. Well, unless we want to talk about the uh, succession finale or the uh, Ted Lasso finale or something, we may have to just wrap it up here. I don't think we have anything else to talk about this week, do we? Anything, I mean, there's anything the Yellow Jackets to
4: finale up? too. We have all these shows. Oh, ending. okay,
0: okay. Well, we can do a whole episode. <laughs> so next week,
4: those, we'll right? be talking about the end of <laughs> the end of HBO shows.
3: <laughs> Wait, no. Of course, it's the end of HBO shows. They're called Max, Max. now because that's <laughs> that's brilliant corporate decision making.
4: That
0: was the dumbest oh, rebrand. yes. <laughs> Let me ask how to copy the chat. Can I select it but not copy? You know, I, I try and I, I do record the chat. Uh, and it took me a while to actually figure out how to do that. But I do record the chat and I do get a file, uh, which I could probably make available to people uh, after the fact. It doesn't, when we put the video on YouTube, it does not include the chat. The video does go up on YouTube uh, every week after we're done. Uh, but... Uh, if, if people want to email me ambrogi at gmail.com or something if they want the chat uh, happy to send it out to people all right see people really just come for the chat not for us we knew that all right i think that's it for today uh and we'll uh we'll be back next week hopefully we can maybe we'll be able to talk more about uh, what sanctions were imposed on uh on, on these poor uh, bogus cases lawyers is it, and, is it actually
2: sorry, a procedural question I don't know like is the decision announced right at a sanctions hearing like that?
0: no probably but I mean they he they could if they wanted to a judge yeah. could nothing precludes them, but they they'll they'll Probably, they might even brief it, probably, and whatever. Yeah. It'll probably take forever before that's, they decide it. Yeah.
2: yeah, I assumed. But
0: but there was. The judge also said with regard to one of the lawyers that he was also going to ask him to show cause as to why he should not be referred for a disciplinary referral or a disciplinary uh, investigation. Yeah. Um, and I mean, who knows? That might be the kind of thing he would just do. Uh, sua smonte, as they yes. say.
2: I mean, I yeah. would be surprised if there was not a disciplinary investigation of some kind in this case. And
4: I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if there's another case next week about the same thing. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, agreed, agreed, Gene. Uh, yeah, Jean. yeah.
0: I, you, I looked. Did you look at anybody look at that lawyer's uh, LinkedIn profile by chance? Yeah. He had a big thing on right under his right at the top of his profile say, We're hiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are going to want to apply there right now. <laughs> uh,
2: well, now you also have the judges saying, you know, you have to sign the certifications of whether or not you used AI. This is a whole. I, think okay. I really that's... just wanted that reaction from Joe. I was just going for that. So I. I,
3: it's
1: I ridiculous. It's
3: just it's the same ridiculous grandstanding bull that like. Yeah. It, and of course, that judge, because that judge is. I'm not even sure that judge is a lawyer, is he? Um, <laughs> Like, I know that. Look, I, I'm. Being absolutely serious, I'm not sure he actually still has a has a bar license. I think there's some reason to question that, but maybe he does. (laughs) But um, but there's there's some I've heard some people say that he actually let it last, which is fine. I think I don't think there's a rule that you have to be a lawyer, but yeah.
1: Well, it's just ridiculous. It's the same old knee-jerk reaction. You see the technology, you know this happens all the time. There's all you know. They're initially going to require like affidavits that you didn't use it, and eventually they're going to do like what they did with email. Oh, you need to get your clients, um, you need to get your clients' consent. You you know you or you can't use it. Or and then they're all like, oh, we give up. Like they're just going to give up because it's going to be like this tidal wave of change that they can't, can no longer nitpick whether someone did or didn't use it. And they're going to, and and so I think, and especially when all the legal products are rolling it in there, so you're not using chat GPT, but how do you even define generative AI? And how do you even know if the legal product is necessarily using GPT powered or some other generative AI? And it just, I don't know, they can't nitpick it enough to even make it useful. They're just going to do this in the beginning, just like the universities are doing it. It's stupid. I read about one professor and then and one professor, what they did was they actually helped the class figure out how they could use it and how it didn't didn't work for what they were trying to do. Teach them. Show exactly. them that it doesn't give you, you know, the results that you necessarily want. Teach them how to critically think about it. Don't just ban it with this knee-jerk reaction. Same with the courts. Yeah.
3: Okay. Well, so both to- of your
1: reactions were exactly what I wanted when I mentioned this.
2: So yay.
3: <laughs> to, cl- to close the loop on that one, uh, that judge uh, is inactive. He has stopped taking CLEs and everything. So he he was a lawyer, but he is inactive and query whether or not it's cool that judges not keep their law licenses up, not do the CLE that they're supposed to do under their state bar. That's a whole other question.
2: That was Texas, right? I don't
3: know. <laughs> yeah. Well, Texas, I mean, their attorney general is going to end up in prison at this rate. So who knows?
2: Apologies to anyone in the audience from Texas. Sorry.
0: <laughs>
3: no. <laughs>
0: but he does get to the shooting range every weekend. So that's a good thing. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think that does it for this week. Nikki, have a very happy birthday this weekend. Yes, happy and happy we'll birthday. see you all back here again next Friday.
4: Great. Mm-hmm. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye, all. Bye. Bye.